amplified. Welcome, everybody. This is the Hamner Martinez podcast. I'm here with Kenji. And um, we're back for our. Uh, what's a, the, we're, so we're calling it season three because, like, the video right, thing. Right, right. Um, and uh, so this time we have. Okay, let me ask you this: Would you work for one dollar an hour? I guess if there was, uh, if all the other jobs were paying ninety cents, yeah. Then you take the dollar. Okay. But the like the. Did you know that like there's jobs that exist that are one dollar an hour? Yeah, I didn't know that that happened here. Yeah, it happens here. Yes, in this country. Oh, okay. So the uh, um, so March twenty fifth starts the Farm Worker Awareness Week, and while I was talking to our next guest, I ran into the fact that. Um, mostly in the southern border, the Mexico-U.S. border. Uh, migrants cross the border under a, uh, a visa. I think it's H-2-1 visa. I could be wrong, but it sounds like that, H-2-1. And they get paid basically an hour, a uh, dollar an hour to work, okay. 12 hours, um, sun up, sun down. Wait, so anyways. A dollar an hour? Yes. Oh, okay. To, you know, pick all the fruits, all the vegetables that we eat. Um, so, my next guest is Dr. Daniel Zinnel. He's the, uh, he works for Proteus Inc. Uh, he's the president of Proteus Inc. here in Iowa. And um, it's a great organization that helps uh, farm workers here in Iowa. There's other... Um, chapters i guess in california started out of california he explains the history of produce but it's a really important um organization right now that is uh, helping farm workers and i think meatpacking plant workers fall under the farm worker right but it just kind of blew my mind though what the whole dollar thing yeah yeah i mean i i'm not surprised Really, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that um, I mean, this everything around here is profit based. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine if you're paying your employees only a dollar, mm-hmm. somebody's profiting. Yeah, you know, there's some people out there that you know they're gambling on on you know whatever farm or companies or public companies things like that. They're gonna make money that it, they didn't work for. Right, right. So that's what that's what the whole thing is about. That's what keeping low wages is all about. Just so that people that don't work for that money can get more money. More money, yeah. That's so it's like gambling, but it's another word for it. They call it investing. Right. But it's gambling. Yeah, you're making money, not earning not really earning it. You just kinda bet on things and farm workers said that are at the very bottom of the totem pole that does that that make sense as far as as far as um getting the best value for your time um and but they are the most important i mean we eat this stuff we right right no they they actually work hard i mean we we couldn't do their job no 
we're we're not hard workers like <laughs> these people are. Yeah, we just you know we learn a few things and then we go, we go and do other things that yeah. make us feel better about ourselves. But yeah, these people are actually earning a living. Right. Uh, working hard for. So we have. talked about that because there's at in their website uh, Proteus uh, Inc. Net. Um, you go and then there's this uh, mini, like a five minute little documentary from the Washington Post that talks, you know, they interview farm workers and um, uh, and it just talks about how farmers struggle staffing this type of work. You know, they, they put out job ads and um, they just Who's gonna, can't handle who, it. Who wants to work like that? I mean, who right. wants to work that hard? Like nobody does. I mean, we live in a culture that, you know, that says work smart, not hard. Not hard. Or I don't know. That's the thing. Yeah, work, work hard. Work the, smart, not know. hard. Yeah. I think, you know, first time I heard it, I was like, okay, cool. Because, you know, just moving here from Mexico, I heard that I was like, huh, that doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. You know, work smart, not hard. I don't know. I mean, sure, you should should be smart about mm-hmm. things, but uh, I think earning a living, like being smart, it just sounds like like toying with the system. It sounds mm-hmm. like gaming the system. Yeah, sounds like cheating. You yeah. know, like it's you're like not really shortcuts. working. Uh, like yeah, shortcuts. like taking a shortcut. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on anything, but neither it am just, I. It sounds like cheating to mm-hmm. me. It sounds like not being honestly earning a living right. so like gaming so construction taking, workers farm workers meat packing I mean yeah workers. you can you can innovate you you can you can find ways to make your work you know a lot a lot easier you know i mean you, you don't want to work hard just for for working hard mm-hmm. that's stupid you know yeah. but i don't know just that the first time i heard that phrase to me was so just by no by that like thought process they at least deserve a little more respect, right? They deserve I think more that they pain. should get a... Yeah, they should get a, a living wage. Mm-hmm. They should get... I mean, if they, they're the ones that put the food on our table, I think that they should. Yeah. They, you know, I don't think that, that we should be broken up into classes like this, you know? I think we are, you know? And, and yeah. I think that farm workers, you know, usually get the uh, the shorter end right. all, all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people that, that work hard, like janitors and... Uh, I don't know, people that, you know, like you said, construction workers, I mean, people work hard and they don't, they don't, they don't get all the benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of just like, yeah, they get it's, the It's kind of backwards, right? It's upside down. Yeah. It's and then people down. that don't work, there's people that literally do nothing but gamble mm-hmm. sitting on their computer. Invest. And then, and then they get a, like a quarterly check, uh-huh. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all they do. They don't work. Yeah. So and then you know, and then they they say, oh well, I'm smart, mm. you know, by cheating. I mean, that's to me. To that's, me, that's how you see it. Yeah. To me, it's like the same thing. You know, like if you if you say, oh okay, well I worked really hard. I was at the casino till four in the morning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to me that's the same shit. Yeah. I don't see a difference really. Mm. Yeah. So that's why we spoke with. Uh, um, Daniel to kind of get help in any way that we can, you know, bring awareness. I got educated. I mean, I didn't know this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so 
I but again, that, I'm, I'm not surprised. Right. Yeah. That's how it is. You know. I'm not surprised about the treatment. I just so another thing. So there's uh, migrant camps here in Iowa. I don't know that. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting conversation. So I don't want to like say it all because I want people to listen to it. But they do great work, um, and I think it's important. And, and it's gonna be uh, um, farmers, farm workers awareness weekend. So why not? Nice. Yeah, so, uh, what else you got? What else? What else Nothing. Uh, just uh, in the interest of full disclosure, it mm-hmm. is overexposed. Your, your image. <laughs> what the? I didn't there was a lot of light. There was a lot of light. Yeah, you look like, like you died, and then you, you had your Zoom call from heaven. <laughs> so, expect that. Uh, it was not my doing. Uh, uh, I wasn't around to <laughs> to make things right. Well, thank you for uh, Dr. Daniel Zinnel. Um, he also joined the Amplified Network. He's doing the daily dose of growth and joy, and we talked a little bit about that too. So, um, all right, let's get to it. All right, to uh, all the farmers out there, shout out, right? Yeah, shout out to all the farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks uh, for having me. Daniel, how do you pronounce your last name? Zinnel. Zinnel. Daniel Zinnel. Doctor Daniel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you work for Proteus. So I, before I get into this, I want people to, to hear this um, because the work that you guys do is uh, uh, even myself as an immigrant, I'm very uh, ignorant about almost a little bit. So, um, hmm. but l- I'm gonna play this real quick. I hope it works. Okay. For these visas to work, we literally have to offer those jobs in to Americans first. We advertise, we publish them in newspapers. We literally have very minimal response. And anyone who shows up, we automatically have to hire them and we have to work them. And we're happy to. But I mean, for everyone that shows up, we'll have like, We'll advertise 15 jobs and we'll have three or four people show up. And then within a week, they'll quit. And then we have nothing. And then we apply for H2A visas. And that's when everyone you know, comes from overseas to work for us. And that's literally the lifeblood of this farm and multiple farms across the United States. Because literally without this program, Americans don't eat. So that's a video uh, from the Washington Post that is on your website on uh, uh, Proteus Inc.net. That's right. Um, so tell us about Proteus. Um, mm-hmm. What is it? When did it start? Sure. Well, Proteus is a multi-state nonprofit that is in Iowa, Nebraska, and Indiana. We were created back in 1979 Uh, by Proteus of California. So there's still a Proteus in California that does similar type of work as we do. Um, But in 1983, we broke off and became our own separate nonprofit. But since 1979 in Iowa, we have been implementing the National Farmworker Jobs Program. It's gone through various names over the years, but in addition to implementing that program in Iowa, we also operates it in Nebraska, in Indiana. Uh, But that specific program really gears toward helping lower income farm workers or 
anyone in their family get access to resources in order to upskill, achieve a credential, and ultimately find greater self-sufficiency for themselves and their families. So we oftentimes see, patients, or see clients that are making 100% of poverty or below, have multiple layers of barriers to achieve greater uh, uh, higher employment uh, salaries. And so we really focus on pairing them up with training programs where they can get the skills they need. <clears throat> we push them to uh, get community college certifications, uh, degrees or diplomas, because those are shorter term and oftentimes can help them get a, a better paying job. And so we can pay for some tuition, we can pay for things tuition or financially doesn't pay for. Um, we also pay them a stipend if they are in school. We pay them $6 an hour for every hour they spend in class to help them with basic living expenses. And then we can also step in and help them overcome any barrier or challenge that they might uh, that they might encounter as they are working toward their goal, whether that be gas, groceries, they're behind on rent, utilities, childcare, car repairs. We can either help connect them to the resources to pay for those things or oftentimes we can pay for them at, from Proteus as well. So that's a program we have in Iowa, Nebraska, and Indiana. And then across the three states, we also provide health and safety training in specific topics like heat stroke and heat stress prevention, pesticide exposure. And this last summer, we did a lot around COVID-19 prevention and mitigation. And last year, I think we trained 7,000 farm workers across the three states. And this is really life-saving information especially this past year, but even looking at heat stroke and heat stress prevention, we unfortunately lost a migrant farm worker who was only in his 20s in Indiana this past summer due to heat stroke. And so these, this is really important information that we are literally going into the fields to provide them. We, our, our bilingual staff will go to the fields before their shift starts, provide the education so that they have that um, and can better look out for each other. And then in Iowa, we have some additional programming. We are an agricultural health program and a federally qualified health center, which means we can provide health care to agricultural workers or anyone in their household. Our model is probably the most unique healthcare delivery model you will find. We have three brick and mortar clinics where patients can access care, Des Moines, Fort Dodge, and Iowa City. But most of our healthcare is mobile, where we go to where farm workers are located, set up temporary clinics on site at their employer's location, or we'll partner with a church or another community-based organization and really provide access to healthcare. We, we do primary care, can connect them to additional healthcare resources they might need in order to help them improve their health outcomes. And then this past year, we have done additional things related to COVID. Um, we did testing in Iowa. We did a ton around follow-up care related to COVID-19. Um, and then we also launched in partnership with Alexito and American Friends Services Committee, which we later then pulled in a few other organizations to create the Iowa Immigrant Community Support Fund, where we worked collaboratively to get individuals to apply through an application um, who are in need of financial assistance and specifically immigrant families who are in need of financial assistance. And through February, our partnership, we were able to distribute over $1.1 million to immigrant families in Iowa, which reached uh, over a thousand households and impacted over 4,000 individuals. So you guys, 
<laughs> you guys do amazing work. Uh, these are yes. the quintessential essential workers. That's right. Besides the medical field, uh, the farm worker is the essential work. You know, like the video said, this is a farmer. I think you see somewhere in California, I think. Hmm. He's saying, he's explaining how these jobs, not everybody wants them. And um, so without, they're talking especially about this H2A visa, which yeah. maybe we'll get into it a little bit. But last time we, well, when we first met, we had a Zoom call and you told me about um, um, migrant workers that come uh, from, uh, from other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been happening uh, uh, for decades. Uh, there was some railroad that was being worked on here, some mining. Uh, tell us a little bit about the modern day kind of migrant worker that not a lot of people kind of, uh, it's kind of out of their realm of reality, yeah. right? Yeah, I think most people are so amazed that we have so many migrant farm workers that come and work in our state. Um, and they've been doing that for decades, as you mentioned. But I think most people don't realize they are here because they are working sunrise to sunset seven days a week. And they don't have the opportunity to really be engaged with the community abroad, across their, their broader community. And so I think that's why most people don't even realize that there are so many workers that unfortunately are living in literally the shadows because they are working sunrise to sunset. But we're seeing an increase in migrants come to our state because of, of what that uh, individual said in the, the video you played. It's harder and harder for our employers to find domestic workers. And we hear the same stories. Domestic workers sometimes show up and leave the same day that they start because it is really hard work. And I grew up on a farm. It's, it's really labor intensive work that takes a, a strong work ethic um, to, to really fulfill the, the duties of that job. And there's another video you should check out that really talks about how farm work is really skilled labor, even though I think in general, people think that it's not, it truly is. It takes specific skills yes. in order to uh, work in the fields and accomplish the things that they are doing. Um, but I think this past year especially has shown has allowed people to maybe have more gratitude for their food, which mm -hmm. then they think about how, how did we get our food? So right. like at every meal, I think it's really important for all of us to pause and reflect upon how, what it took to get this meal onto our plate that we were right. about to eat. And um, all of us are touched by farm workers, whether we're thinking about it or not. And so we're really, really just trying to convey that message, share the stories to get people to care about these essential workers who are helping to feed us each and every day. So when you say they work from sunset to sundown, they literally, uh, they, they stay at a, uh, what, what is their um, living hmm. um, arrangements? It depends. So some will stay in residential homes, some will rent apartments, some stay in extended um, hotel stays. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple larger migrant camps where they live literally on site. Um, one turned an old long-term care facility into apartment living. And another has a variety of um, 
uh, big buildings, but one is just kind of wild to think about is if you can picture a giant warehouse and then bunk beds lined where hundreds of workers stay there for a specific time period. And so it really varies depending on the employer, depending on the location, depending on the work. Um, but it, we do have migrant camps in the state of Iowa. And I think that always surprises folks right. when I talk about it as well. And they, they come through this H2A visa. Some do. About. So in Iowa, we have a lot of domestic migrants that come from the Valley, Southern Texas, who, who have come here year over year after year uh, to work in the fields. But then we have also seen an increase in H2A visa workers. So um, what that, that individual said in the video is true, where it's harder and harder to find workers. So we've actually seen an, a significant increase in the number of H2A visa workers coming to work in Iowa. Last year, we had over 4,000 come, which was a huge increase even from the year or five years before. Um, but these are temporary workers that oftentimes are coming from Mexico, and it's the responsibility of the employer to provide transportation to Iowa, provide housing and food while they are here, and then transport them back. Uh, this year, we're also getting some new workers, I believe, from South Africa. So it's not solely just Mexico where, where we get H2A workers that come to work in Iowa. We, we do see other countries that are involved in the H2A program. What's the number? I mean, if you don't have it, that's okay. But what's the number of migrants that are like currently there? There's not really great hard data. My estimation is between seven to 10,000 probably. Wow. And just to emphasize on, because a lot of the rhetoric is you're stealing our jobs, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I moved to this uh, state um, because of a meatpacking plant town Perry, Iowa, my parents, my dad still works at Tyson. Uh, I worked in it for almost two years. All my family, literally, uh, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, so I know firsthand the type of work that it is. Uh, and now as a recruiter, uh, headhunter, you know, I do have a couple of small processing plants. Uh, and it is a known fact that this job takes a particular type of worker mm -hmm. and um you know the, the doors are open the, the the help wanted signs are there the applicants are you know uh are interviewed but when it comes down to doing the job they don't want it they don't want the job so then you know somebody has to do the job i was talking to joe henry the political director of uh, luluk and we were just talking about the impact of, of immigrants. Like this state, the whole country really needs immigrants. So uh, it just got, I just wanted to highlight that a little bit because, you know, this myth of stealing jobs has to kind of go away. You know, there's jobs that some people are not willing to take. Yeah, I, I think that's completely spot on. And yes, we need to talk about that. The way I frame it is more focused on the benefits we get from these individuals too. So right. like spinning it on its head, but right. I do think it's important to combat those myths that people are stealing jobs. That's not the case. We have a surplus of jobs that, that employers cannot fill. And so 
we we definitely need more workers to come into our state, which is really, uh, I think, sad to see some of the legislation that has been introduced this last year mm -hmm. that I think is really creating a bad um, PR for our state to attract new people to want to come and work in our state. Right. Employers are uh, struggling to find um, labor. Yeah. And, um, you know, I talked to a lot of eight you know, human resource directors, business owners, that's my job on a daily basis. And, uh, and there's a census of like, yes, there needs to be something that, um, you know, because there's around 11 million, maybe the number's a little bit higher, undocumented uh, immigrants living in the United States. And uh, imagine if you can uh, give them some kind of authorization to be employed. Yeah. impact that it would have on the economy. So um, what other programs does uh, Proteus have um, that are, you know, helping uh, the farm workers? Well, I'll <clears throat> talk about one that we are in the middle of launching. Um, we're, we're looking at piloting our healthcare delivery model within a couple of smaller meat processing facilities in the near future, hopefully this year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think we learned a lot from COVID um, and to even go back to just last year, a year ago this month, it, we saw meat processing workers become disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. And so we at Proteus wanted to be as proactive as possible in thinking through a strategy to work with employers to help equip them with the best practices we knew at the time to think through mitigation strategies and to really try to create the safest workplace environment for farm workers as they were arriving starting in the spring and into the summer and we really created a model that worked well with our employers with our farm workers um, thankfully, we had some additional funding to focus on COVID-19 testing as well as the follow-up care. And so we <clears throat> were able to test close to 3,000 farm workers in 2020. If they tested positive, we were able to put them up into a hotel so that they could safely isolate in air conditioning, which really was an important piece to helping them recover. We brought them hot meals every day if they needed that. We checked in daily. And I think our follow-up care was truly life-saving because these are workers who are hardworking. They're accustomed to working through illness and pain. And it's hard sometimes for us to pull out their symptoms. Mm -hmm. So it really took that daily check-in for us to de develop stronger rapport with them in order for them to disclose. And we had to make the tough call a couple of times to transport them to the hospital. Uh, knock on wood, thankfully, we were able to show lower positivity rates. Only a few were hospitalized. And I think our biggest success, which is kind of weird to say this out loud, but we had zero deaths in 2020. And so clearly we did something right and we want to be able to take that type of model and address the need that we also saw in meat processing facilities. So we're gonna start small this year with a couple locations. We pulled in the University of Iowa to be our research and evaluation partner so that we can capture data, kind of create a model that hopefully works and then be able to replicate that in other locations in the future. Yeah. So that's one thing that we're really excited about. 
and I think that's important because it's the word is that <laughs> there's going to be another virus at some point, another breakout. There's some, um, and then th that just kind of goes to show how you know there's a lot of uh, naysayers about the virus and uh, anti-vaxxers, and I don't want to get into that, but um, but there are some industries like the farm worker, the um, meat packing plant worker that their vicinity of working is really close. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, if you have a job and your employer's not doing everything possible to keep you safe, then is that really a good employer? So um, how are you perceived by employers, by the way, when you approach them, like what's the reception? Yeah, it's definitely, I think, a delicate balance that we have to play. Um, the, the employers that we've worked with historically have appreciated us because we're providing a service to their employees and essentially we're helping keep their workforce healthy. So bottom line, we're helping them save money because we're allowing their workers to continue to work and not miss as many days maybe for being sick. And so I do think the employers really appreciate uh, the work that we do. And we have some really great employers um, in the state of Iowa that we work very closely with. So uh, from our standpoint, we're, we're adding benefit to the employer. Um, mm -hmm. There are times when uh, we see things that we need to make referrals or, or direct the workers to call maybe an additional partner of ours if we're seeing um, things that just don't add up. Um, just because there's various ways of how how these workers can be employed. So they could be employed directly by the employer, or a lot of times the employer will contract with a crew leader who will then hire a crew. And so there's varying, varying degrees of employment going on here. And um, we always offer resources and make referrals, especially when we see things out in the field. But we're not the ones that are necessarily doing the legality side of the work. Um, we make those referrals. We, we truly focus on uh, our bread and butter and try to maintain the relationships with everybody because if we had a bad relationship, then those workers would miss out on our services. So we're, we're trying to toe that line of, of maintaining them as best we can. What about the farm worker? How do they receive you? How do, how do they perceive you as a, an organization? I, yeah. I think our more than 40 years of providing services to farm workers has really allowed us to develop, to develop trust. And it's amazing in one location, especially where we have seen, we have served three generations of these workers. So these families of migrants have come back to Iowa for three generations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just an amazing story and testament to the rapport we do have with the workers. Um, they're the most grateful people I've ever worked with in my life. Uh, they're always so appreciative of all of these services we provide. And it's, it's all of our staff are always, always feel great about themselves when providing services because you always get a thank you, you always get appreciation. And then sometimes we get food or the shirt off their backs, uh, literally um, from the workers because they, they truly want to reciprocate what we are giving to them. And, and it's amazing because, um, and this video that's on your website that I, I, I put the link on and make sure, I hope everybody goes and checks it out. 
this is like in California, Southern California. So these are migrants that are crossing from Mexico to, to California, I think on a daily basis. Um, but they get paid, says they're 22 to 23 pesos per hour, which is equivalent to $1 an hour. Hmm. Um, that's not okay, right? Like that there's some, there's something wrong there. Have you seen anything just to kind of keep it local? Is anything here that you've seen that you, that you would you say there needs to be some a flag raised here? Hmm. Uh, from time to time, we do see maybe not that extreme, but we have seen things like that happen where we've had to make the referrals to wage an hour or to Iowa legal aid or to another partner to um, investigate the situation more. But it, it comes up enough where it definitely is a challenge. I mean, it's essentially labor trafficking, what, what you're describing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we think of trafficking, we think of the sexy one, which is sex trafficking. But, mm -hmm. but there is much more that entails trafficking, including labor trafficking. So unfortunately, the, it does come up um, probably more often than we even realize because it takes a lot for workers to to say to speak up because they're living in fear, um, especially if maybe they're undocumented and that person is holding something over them. And so they're less likely to speak up in that situation. Um, but we, it does it does happen, unfortunately, from time to time. Do you think some farm, work, farm workers feel uh, like they're kind of isolated, alone, not a whole lot of resources for them? Definitely, definitely that can happen. But I will say from the workers, we did kind of a mini study last summer on behavioral health needs of farm workers. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to me to hear about how um, many, some travel with family, so that helps. But then if they're not traveling with family, they truly do create their own family while they are here with each other. And so that was, I think, um, interesting to hear, which I think speaks to just humanity in general. We, we need human interaction. We need people who mm -hmm. are our friends, maybe our chosen family. And so they truly are creating that while they are here. Yeah, there, there's, uh, you cannot emphasize enough the spirit of like a good worker. And um, that's kind of, I'm kind of proud about that part of my my heritage and the, the people that I come from, uh, um, you know, th their hard work is just, you can't uh, put enough emphasis on how, you know, this is people that are in the fields, bent over, you know, getting their hands uh, beat up and, uh, you know, getting all the, all the fruits and vegetables that we have uh, in, uh, in the meatpacking plants, you know, working with knives, doing the yeah. same motion thousands and thousands of times um, that, that it, there's something to, to uh, the spirit. It's, it's, uh, it's really uh, it's, uh, inspiring to me. You know, it, uh, sometimes I'm doing walkthroughs uh, in, in the, uh, the meatpacking plants that I, that, that my clients, uh, my clients. And then there's just this feeling of like, I kind of soak it in almost, you know, their work ethic and, and, yeah. and man, this, they're working, you know, they're really working hard. So, um, and they do it with a smile on their face because they know they're putting food, you know, and they're uh, on their family's table and they're paying their bills and, 
Um, so I, I would uh, um, invite anybody <laughs> to that wants to try this job out. Uh, uh, there's plenty of jobs out there. So, um, but you have, you going a little bit more on your, on your uh, career and, and you're, you're a big part of the business community here in Des Moines. I think the first time I saw you was, um, you were kind of doing a testimonial on the, uh, is it the Greater Des Moines Institute? Um, yep. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, you went yeah. through that program, right? I did. I did. Well, I, I uh, believe in grow, personal growth and uh, becoming a lifelong learning. I would recommend that to anybody, but I participated in the Greater Des Moines Leadership Institute's Community Leadership Program, which has allowed me to meet so many amazing community leaders, including our very own Shaima Lee, that's how I met Shaima, and right. many, many, many other folks that have been uh, a huge asset to my life and have brought me so much joy since knowing them only for a very short time. But it's a nine-month program really focused on understanding the city of Des Moines, the greater Des Moines region's um, challenges that we're going through and really focused on helping to really develop that the leadership within our our future leaders and current leaders um so i really enjoy that program i learned a lot and i'm still involved in it i'm on the uh, alumni committee i previously served on the curriculum committee but i believe in leadership development as a whole and, and is I, that where the idea uh those of growth enjoy came about because you, okay let me kind of set it up so you're yeah. joining our amplified uh network or roster so which yeah. really excited um and uh, uh so you, you 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 coming up here in the next couple of weeks you'll release uh, uh your first episode about growth and, and joy is that where the idea kind of started brewing tell me a little bit about where it, how it, where it came from hmm. well I'll, I'll back up a little so from the leadership community leadership program i recognize that we needed more representation in positions of power and so when i started at one iowa exec, as executive director I kind of brought this brainchild of mine to create an lgbtq leadership institute to really help develop lgbtq leaders to potentially serve in greater positions of of privilege and power and we really focused the, the first few years on getting LGBTQ folks who are Black, Indigenous, people of color, trans and non-binary folks and women to be part of this because even within the LGBTQ community, if you look at intersectionality, there's a lot of people that look like me who are also gay men in positions of power, but we need to really create that pipeline so that there's more mm -hmm. um, broader representation of LGBTQ folks in these positions of power. So. That's one thing that I'm really proud of that kind of spark, was sparked by the Graduate Wine Leadership Institute. And since then, I've just continued to focus on my own personal growth and journey. Um, but Daily Dose of Growth and Joy actually started because of the pandemic uh, of all <laughs> things. So a year ago, two, a year ago yesterday, I posted my first Daily Dose of Joy. Um, but I have 
five leadership values. I have five personal leadership values that I try to live out loud every day. But I recognize because of the pandemic that my one value, which was joy, I needed to kind of amplify it even more. Notice how I brought that brand in more. <laughs> uh, amplify it just see um, myself going down a darker path because of the pandemic. So <clears throat> I started posting just a daily dose of joy, something that brought me joy that day as a way to kind of express gratitude. Um, there's a lot of research on people who show gratitude every day are more likely to experience joy. And so I started this daily dose of joy sharing something that brought me um, joy for that day and it kind of turned into this thing where I started doing it ev literally every day mm -hmm. and it was it was interesting to kind of reflect upon some of like what what brought me joy what were the things that really stood out um, but many philosophers believe that joy is the most vulnerable emotion and others also say that you cannot have joy without suffering, without adversity, because that makes joy even greater. Um, so I think it, in my personal struggles, my personal adversity and sufferings, because I have gone through those, I, have, I think I have greater appreciation for the good things in my life, um, because it does truly help you help ground yourself in recognizing what's, what's important to you. And so I started this daily dose of joy. It kind of picked up where people started following along and some even started their own daily dose of joy and replicated this. And so it was kind of amazing to see this kind of network blend into yeah. the broader community. And so um, just a couple months ago, I launched a business called Growth and Joy because of the way this has transpired this past year um, and incorporating my expertise in leadership development. And so this business really is focused on helping individuals or companies work on personal and professional growth and joy. Um, and so part of this is launching this weekly video series called Daily Dose of Growth and Joy, mm -hmm. um, where I will interview community leaders and talk about our lives, talk about suffering, but also focus on joy. So I'm excited to continue the momentum I've built um and excited to see what's come you're gonna have to invite me on i will i will <laughs> <laughs> well uh daniel um you know it's amazing how um when you put yourself out there a little bit you start to run into amazing people and uh um this is just another proof of to me or uh, affirmation or you know uh, that this uh, projects that I've been kind of uh, getting involved in the people I've been running into people and somehow uh, somebody invited me to the uh, that Institute leadership. Um, so I was in the audience when you were talking. Uh, and then just a few weeks later, we started connecting and then, you know, now uh, you're, you know, we're working together and I, you know, that that's kind of like the, uh, the entire purpose of, of a lot of what I'm doing. And I think that's, Sounds to me like that's kind of what you know you do is just connect with with good people and see what good work they're doing and and uh, um, you know just kind of keep growing uh, uh, and creating awesome relationships. So 
but besides that, the great work that you do is just still, you know, I still processing it. Um, so uh, I'm going to invite everybody to please go to proteusinc.net um, so they can see uh, the programs. How, how can people help? Is, they can donate. Well, take your money. What, what, ways, <laughs> what ways can, you know, just a person that's like, oh my God, I didn't know this was happening. So what's the easiest way to kind of help you? I would say follow us on all of our social media platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and then also sign up for our newsletter. We'll, we share a lot of things where people can reshare, can, can um, participate in things that we have going on. Uh, for example, the end of March is National Farmworker Awareness Week. It's a national kind of campaign that we participate in just to really raise awareness about farm workers and um, what they're going through. We're doing a couple of things specifically to our organization that week. Um, we're doing a long sleeve shirt campaign. So we'll be taking donations. Folks can donate long sleeve shirts and drop them off at our locations. And then we're also gonna be releasing five videos over five days. One is gonna be interviewing staff. Three of them are interviewing farm workers from the three states. And then the last one, I'm going to interview one of our board members who was the first, she was a migrant child herself, but she was the first Latina elected to the state legislator in Indiana. And she's on our oh, board, wow. so I'll be interviewing her. That's an amazing story, right? Yeah, she's, she's great. We love her. Uh, and then we're also doing a recurring donor campaign. We want to get 50 recurring donors um, committed that week. So there, there'll be various things like that throughout the year where folks can in, be engaged and involved, but... I would just encourage folks to follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter because hopefully once the pandemic slows down, we'll start to open up things a bit more and we'll, we'll be able to pull in more volunteers in the future too. And also uh, your website for uh, those of growth and joy is live. People can come visit on the website. Yep. Uh, www.growthandjoy.com. Growthandjoy.com. I can't believe you found that that handle. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't taken yet. It wasn't. It wasn't. I was, when I was looking for website names. <laughs> it's always be. like it's taken. It's taken. It's taken. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's why a lot of people have to put DSM on, on a lot of their you know like mine is infinite resource DSM because there's yeah. infinite resources like all over the place. Yeah. But um, thank you again. Um, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I look forward to working together with you. I'm, I, uh, I know that we're going to be working uh, uh, a lot together from now on. So, but I, I truly do, I mean it, um, appreciate the, uh, the work that you're doing. This is like your daily job. So, um, you know, I had no idea, you know, which is crazy. Um, but proteusinc.net. Thank you again, Dr. Daniel. Z Daniel. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. There you have it. What do you think? You you listened to the whole thing. Yeah, I did. I guess I'm not I'm not surprised yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah. Because people love profits. Yeah. So that's America. And uh, yeah, that is. That's what it is. And there's, you know, people are totally fine with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are in a way because... Yeah, you know, I mean, we're not we doing anything about it. about it. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing anything about it. So, 
uh, no need to uh, what do you, what, what do they call that? Uh, uh, virtual signal. So you know, I'm not trying to like vir- You know, we're not that. trying to. Do I'm that. not trying to signal that I'm virtuous at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Uh, um, yeah, people don't give a shit. Yeah, people don't care, man. Yeah. Uh, and, so maybe uh, that's why these farm wor- farm worker awareness week is is to do that is to just kind of bring it bring a little light to it and just at least at the very least i think i think that farmers is like one of the professions that you can actually you know uh praise Mm -hmm. without knowing them right so yeah when you're sitting down on the table have you seen those memes that says thank you (laughs) thank you jesus Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) like you're welcome yeah thanks Thank, thank Jesus. Yeah, thank Jesus for the tomatoes and whatever mm-hmm. else. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna keep doing this. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you to uh, Good Vice Movement for letting us uh, use their space. Um, and thank you to Dr. Daniel Zinnel from ProteusInc.net. Go check him out and visit the website AmplifyDSM.com for more podcasters. Thank you for listening.